0: Welcome along to the international break version of the Forever Blue podcast. Um, Clearly, there has not been a match in the last few days and there isn't another one till Leicester City play city uh, in another week or so from the point that we're recording this podcast so i thought i'd do something slightly different today i've invited back uh, mark todd who you might remember from a couple of weeks ago was from is from city matters but he's also what we call just like me a legacy fan in other words somebody's who been going for years and years and years at home and away um, just, just obsessed about the football club and, and passionate beyond beyond. then. Now, the City Matters bit I only mention so that you know. If Mark wants to bring that in, he can. It's not really particularly relevant, I suppose, to to this particular conversation. But at the other end of the age spectrum, to balance this, we've got Harlan, who is in his 20s. How old are you, Harlan? Just remind 28, us. 28.
1: 28. Steve, 28 so
0: you, and I know that you've said in podcasts before that you had just the sort of end of when City were, shall we say, ordinary before became this global brand, et cetera. So you have a little bit of knowledge. So I'm sure you can give us a balance of what you remember from the past, what your grandads told you and know, all the rest of it, and how it is now. So Uh, Should be an interesting debate. You'll also hear from Andy Morrison in this podcast. Uh, Andy, of course, was the captain of the team that won the 99 playoff final with City down to their lowest ebb. I spent some time with him yesterday and recorded an interview with him, which we'll hear a little bit later on. Um, a big shout out of course to charleslouie.co.uk chartered mortgage advisors who are the sponsors of the podcast uh, without them there might not be a podcast so thanks very much to them really really appreciate it if you want to look at their website charleslouie.co.uk uh, just do that and there's a telephone number on there they're based in the berry area and they do all sorts of stuff to do with buying and selling of houses mortgages and, and advice so give them a call if you if you like and mention forever blue and tell them that, that you've heard about them here and uh, I'm sure that they will help you really friendly bunch and and really professional as well. So thanks to them. Yeah. Right. Where do we start? Do we start off the field? Do we start on the field? Let's start on the field. Um, the club that you started watching when your first went to a match, Mark, what, what was sort of that team and who was the manager and how did well, it I mean, begin for you?
2: Well, th- this is the thing you see, old, Gets like me go on about, oh, these young people in 28, they don't realise how difficult it was watching City Home and Away when they were garbage. When I was first started watching them, we were the best team in the country to start with. So that. Glory unto them. Glory unto totally. I'm more of a glory unto than people think because I'm from Salford. So I should have supported, you know, geography tells me I should have supported the dark side, really. But uh, we were good brigade in our part of the family. So, my dad supported City and so did I and my brother and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but my extended family is all from Salford and they're complete and utter uh, lunatic Reds. So, But when I, when I first started getting interested in football, um, the late 60s, of course, our team was and especially around 1970, our team was better than theirs. So, it was kind of easy uh, in those days as a kid, you know, like six, seven years old, To support City, we had great players like Bell, Lee, Summerby, Neil Young, who should never be forgotten in that uh, in that little gang. Um, And I absolutely loved the players, loved the team. Thought we were the best things in sliced bread. So it was kind of easy to be a City fan when I first started. My first game was when I was um, a youngster. I went to in 1970. I went to the European Cup Winners' Cup tie at home to academic at Coimbra. So it was all very exciting and. uh, exotic and that team played all in black they had a black i remember them having you know it's under the lights green pitch that everyone always remembers when they first Mm -hmm. go to a game and they all played in black and i was completely confused thought referees were the only people that allowed to wear black but yeah so i was i was obsessed from a very early age uh and it was a complete shock to me in the 80s when we became garbage
0: (laughs) what about you harlan i mean what's your what what was the sort of team that you started watching when you you first were allowed to ten games?
1: Well, uh, the first time I attended a game at the Etihad was two thousand and four, and it was my birthday. It was the first of November two thousand and four. Uh, we played Norwich at home, 2 one all. Willow Flood scored
2: with Norwich. Hey? That's
1: Bloody the one. Great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Willow Flood scored the goal for us. I've uh, mentioned this on oh, the podcast in the past. Good Is it a volley? Um, into the floor, it's bounced up. It's gone yeah. past Robert Green Remember and that. hit the back of the net. And um, obviously, it's the best thing I've ever seen. At that point, I've been to I've been to Boundary Park and watched Oldham under under um, you know Ian Dow before that at Boundary Park. I've been and watched people like Gary Kelly in the sticks and um, you know uh, David Ayres and John Ayres. And um, I've probably seen without knowing. I've probably seen the back end of Andy Rich's career at Oldham as well. So I've been in a football stadium before. But this, this was my club, this was City. Um, this was very different for me. And I've been a City fan through the the whole of the all two, all three season. Of course, I'll I'll never forget waking up and watching the uh, this is a funny story, this I'll never forget waking up and watching the premiership on ITV at half past eight on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, not quite understanding when we actually played games, because it was only eight, eight or nine that season. Um but I remember waking up, believe it or not, and, and watching the highlights. And Des Lyon had just probably introduced the game. And I can't remember who was commentating on the highlights now on, on the Premiership. But I'm watching it. And we go 1-0 down to Leeds. And then we go 2-0 down. I think it was Robbie Keane that, 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 that knocked it over Schmeichel's head. And then he scores a, a, a brace, I think. And at, at 3-0, I'm, I'm sat there on my couch in the morning, on a Sunday morning at mm-hmm. half past eight. City, we're definitely not playing at half past eight on a Sunday morning. But I thought we were. So I'm heading the hands, gutted. You know, my my team and my dad's just told me I support are now losing 3-0 to Leeds. What's going on here then? Um, But then I made a habit of watching the Premiership every Sunday to see how we got on until about, say, October time, when my mum's friend's husband, Mick, had said to me, you lads are blue, isn't he, Amanda? You know, tell him to come round to mine. I've got it on Sky." Because um, back then, you know, you never, you never. Not everybody had Sky. Sky was just starting yeah. to come in, become, become. In the early 2000s, it was starting to become more accessible to every household. Then, um, you know, with Sky Plus and everything else starting to, starting to grow and everything. So, I'll never forget the feeling I got during the All-Two All-Three season of, you know, when Elka Niklas Nicholas Jensen, Bernabia, Berkovic, you know, Richard Dunn. Uh Sungi I as well, of course. Uh Darren Uckerby, who I was really buzzing to meet the other week. And finally, I get to have a picture with Darren. Obviously, he was the he was the player I was in the playground when everyone else was gigs. I was Darren Ookaby. I even dyed my hair blonde at school. I got a bit of stick for that. <laughs> um but to be, you know, to be 28 now and to say that I never wanted to be um, you know, the Cristiano Ronaldo or the Ryan Giggs. I wanted to be Darren Ookerby. It it kind of makes me makes me quite quite proud. And People, people forget the football we played under Keegan in the first oh, season. I fully remember. In all two, all three was yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely one
2: right.
1: Of the, one of the one, you know, one of the one of my favourite DVDs of all time to watch when I'm when I'm not doing anything is is good to be back. The 0 two, three review. Yeah. Um, and I'm not lying to you. I could sit there and watch it all day. Um, the three one win against United. Uh, uh, you know, at Main Road. Uh, Some of the football we played, some of the dribbles, right? Phillips went on. Um, Darren Huck could be playing really well, of course. And Elkert was was majestic as a young 23-year-old man. So I do remember that. And I do remember um, how we progressed from that season and how we kind of took a step back between 2005 and 2007. Taxing came in. We started to see an improved, you know, kind of. Uh, transfer policy if you want to call it that we're bringing a, a few better players in and then obviously at the end of that season the Sheik decided he wanted to bring us um, you know, all the joy we've got now so
0: yeah Well, it is the killer question really then because it's something that, that city fans sort of wrestle with and you you hear people some people criticizing us fans from the outside and saying there are people among the fan base who hark back to going back to you know being in, in league 2 or you know that they preferred it back then um and I'm talking purely now about the football not about what the club has transformed into off the field purely in terms of the football i have um, when I say happy memories, I have lots of memories of of coming back from a four 0 defeat, let's say at West Brom, yeah, yeah. and being on the football special, and as I was a steward on the football special, and everybody flooding back on, and we all having a sort of collective moment. Yet we were a we were a unit, you know, we were a fan base that 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 cared. For, well, we still do, but cared for each other, and we're all together in it. And 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 actually, I, I remember those times very very fondly. The football wasn't great, but there the, were still heroes to us. Those players were still heroes to us. So, let's start with Mark. I mean, you, you've seen, as you've said already, from the glory days right through the doldrums. I'm sure you were at Bristol Rovers, Macclesfield, and yeah, all of the Lincoln, course. Like I was, and everything. So, so therefore, you, you know, you've seen the highs and the lows and everything. Do you? Never hanker back, and you can bring into it if you like the, the way football's played these days, as opposed to then. They weren't played on perfect pitches; there wasn't any VAR. You know, it was it was a bit more route one at times. Do you look back at it with nostalgic look, but forgetting actually how bad it was, or do you genuinely, uh, you know, prefer one era or the other?
2: Well, they can say nostalgia ain't what it used to be, which I quite like. Um the thing about, thing about the old days, whether they were the old days watching us get beat on a regular basis, or the old days seeing us play great football under Keegan, they're old days now, they're 20 years ago nearly now, is um, if you're a City fan, and you love the club, and you go home and away, or just go home, you know, go a lot, you know, go a lot, it's a, it's not, it's not um, you don't have to worry about how good or bad it was before, you need to live in the moment, and living in the moment that you'd get beat 4-0, but you'd laugh about it on the train on the way home. And like you say, look after each other a little bit. There's something to be, some to be. if you're a proper fan, even now, not, not talking about just the legacy bunch like me, you know, there's something to be gained from all these experiences. And winning is fantastic. I, the buzz that we get out of, you know, going to Villa Park and battering Villa every time we go there. That's, a, that's that's another thing that we're allowed to enjoy. But I but going back to when we weren't so good, yeah, I, you know, we used to say, what a great day out, except for the football. You know, we used to also, you know, all that kind of thing. I remember there's a story about this when um, there was a load of people, a load of lads that went to London for a match. And they got down on the train. They arrived at Euston and went in the pub just outside. It's called the George or something, but the pub that's just outside Euston. And it uh, gets to two o'clock and still drinking and having a right laugh in there. Gets to half past two. And my mate's thinking, it's half past two. We're going to have to get a move on here, aren't we? And um, he said, well, are we not going to this game? We're not going to this game. And it gets to five to three and they're still in the pub. And he says, are we not going to this game? And they all looked at him and went, you football, mad you? And I think that sums it up, you know. <laughs> We used to go, despite the football, to see the people that we always see, and I still do it now. Just because, just because we're a good team, I still go with. I still go with the same people I've gone with for twenty years. We still have very similar laughs about this, that, and the other. That player, this player, what people have got up to. So, yeah, I enjoyed it then, and I enjoy it now. And I, and I don't hark back as in I wish it was like it used to be. It was great then, and it's moved on, and it's great now. And if they stopped being. If we stop being wealthy and if we stop being brilliant at football, I'd still go and I'd still enjoy it.
0: Yeah, do you ever look though, Mark, and think football today? And obviously, my job's just in this is just to play devil's advocate and yeah, ask yeah. the other question. Um, we 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 now play on perfect pitches. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, the weather can't be controlled, but yeah. even then, you know, the, 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 it's like playing on a snooker table. The players generally aren't involved in a lot of physicality. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty much non-contact. Do you look back on the game as it was? And this is a difficult question to answer because it's so long ago, and mm-hmm. prefer the more physical, the more varied way. I mean, losing at Halifax no, in the FA Cup was... No, no.
2: No, because I, I've, I mean, we used to enjoy the crunching tackles. There's not wrong with that either. But if you watch old matches on the telly, you can't tell me it's better to watch than the stuff that City are playing right now. Now, not everybody plays like City, but nearly everybody tries to these days. And so you're right, the game's changed. And it does, you know, people play out about back, pitches are much better. I'm talking about the top level, don't forget. It changes further down the pyramid you go, we shouldn't always talk about the top level and call it football. Football's miles bigger than that, right? You know, all the way down. Uh, and I've got a lot of respect for the game all the way down. I have been, I go and watch other teams when I can. But I actually love the stuff we watch. And I'll tell you what I like. I like those moments in the stadium when City are playing and we're winning maybe a couple of goals, two or three nil, and everyone's just watching the football. There isn't a lot of singing going on. There isn't a lot of my atmosphere people really are concentrating on the football. And someone will start singing. I feel like saying, will you shut up? I'm trying to watch the football here. (laughs) And it's that good to watch. It's mesmerising. And we're kind of lucky to have had a team that's like that for quite some time. And and not just under Pep, you know, going back even to Mancini. Some of the football we play for the last, whatever it is, 13, 14 years has been astonishing. And it's great to watch. So the actual spectacle of the game, uh, and of course now stadia, especially at the top level, are so good you get a perfect view in every seat. i I enjoy that. I, I enjoy that part of it. And and I enjoyed the old stuff where you could hardly see a thing and it was a bit more, you know, blood, blood and thunder football. But yeah, going to the game is what it's all about. And I always say this to, to red friends I've got, they don't go. You know, if it what's the point? It's about going. You know, I always say, Do you go? You know, that's the question, isn't it? And most city fans I know go, you know, even if they can't go to every game. For various family or money reasons, they go to plenty of games in the season.
0: That's interesting that you, you you mentioned about the crowd and the quieter bits, and you don't have yeah. a problem with that. And no. I, I was watching during lockdown. They showed the um, the cup final from I think it was eighty seven, was it when Coventry and Tottenham played each other. Yeah, and um, and and because we weren't watching football at that particular time you know I watched it a bit more intensely than maybe I would normally have watched that it had just passed me by Uh, and the thing that struck me was the difference in the crowd quite apart from the football the difference in the crowd I mean it seemed to be more normal people so to speak Um, you know working class call call it whatever you want Uh, everybody was engaged from the crowd everybody was was involved in the singing there wasn't like big swathes of seats that were clearly corporate seats or whatever uh, and, and I really it really brought back to me what it was like in those old days. I mean Harlan, you you wouldn't have lived through the 80s in that way, but you're no doubt seeing older yeah. games like that on TV even before the era when you started to go. Um, is that something you' got a view on in terms of you know the way that the, the game is changing the crowd as well as on the pitch?
1: Yeah, Ian. You know, you 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 know me better than anybody else on the podcast. So you 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 know me as a person now, and you know that I am, I am a football addict, a um, self-confessed football addict. I'm a self-confessed City addict, and was from the moment that I realised that I was meant to be a City fan. So once I once I realised that and got a grasp of what the club actually meant to me. I did everything from being nine years old all the way until this point now and will continue to do with my kids and my family in the future to make sure that I am a City fan that just gets it, that doesn't just get it for now, that gets it from then, that does over and above what I maybe need to do as a fan to figure out what it was like before my time so I can appreciate more what we've got now. And I'm not just saying that for the podcast and for the listeners to understand I'm saying that because that's what I absolutely feel, that you've got a duty as a blue. You've got a duty as a Spot blue. Up. You've got a duty as a Bolton fan. You've got a duty as a, as a fan of a club that have been through turmoil in the past that have now arrived at a better standpoint in your club's history.
0: Yeah. So
1: understand how you got there, what it was like before, so you can fully appreciate where you are now. So I, I completely get City back then, and I get us now, and I also get the fans back then, and I get us now... And, you know, not a lot of younger fans now that have passed, you know, my, my 93 you know, to, to 2002 era of getting to become a City fan will maybe ever say this to you now going forward, because we don't know how long this is going to last. God, You know, hopefully it lasts forever. Uh, the, the football, the shake and everything. But, but if I could have two takes at life and you could pick a couple of things that you'd like to experience and that you'd like to do, one of the things I'd like to do would be to experience that pre-2002-3 pre, pre 2002, three season, yeah. um, but as a 28-year-old as a now, and then be able to do, I mean, you've been on Watch Back to the Future lately, um, with uh, Ireland, uh, of course, I'd like to have experienced that, been Martin McFly, gone back to Main Road in the late, you know, the late 80s, 90s, experienced the pre-Harlem Fallon era of City, and then be able to see what I see now, but, I feel like I've done what I needed to do to get a feel for what it was like, and unfortunately, life isn't back to the future, so I won't be able to experience that for myself. But I do, I do believe that, and not to offend anyone that was there, because he's he's talking crap. This lad, he he doesn't he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get it. I do believe me, I, I do understand the club from from top to bottom, so I think so.
2: This gentleman. Yeah, this you yeah. are absolutely no different to any of the died in the walls that were there in the eighties and nineties, just listening to you speak. Because that's it, you understand. That's exactly what it's all about. It's all about get, being totally committed to being a city fan and it's almost like spreading the word, spreading the gospel. I'm still doing it. Now on our street, there's a there's a family that we get on with very well a few doors down. I know that they've got a young son, he's like just going to a big school this year he's into football and chosen his team he's chosen his team now because I've taken him to city in the last few weeks bought him a city scarf and he's getting a city shirt next week he doesn't even realize he's on the way and he absolutely loves the club now and he's become obsessed I've just fed him the stuff and it didn't take much I mean obviously you can argue it's easier these days of course it is but you know we've all been doing that with our kids, grandkids cousins, you know, a bit like when you got taken to matches, when you were said, come and watch the the game on Sky, that's what it's like being a bloop, we do it ourselves because we can't rely on the media to do it they're busy promoting Liverpool and United they, you know, you don't have to try too hard when you sport those clubs, but you've got exactly the same attitude as the rest of us have had for the last 30 years, and that's great to see
1: I think the thing is though, Mark, with that it's one of them where I just feel like, this isn't a personal thing by the way, not not towards you of course, to to any parent that I think what it is, is it's about, like you said, handing the baton down yeah, in that smart. in that city relay race, making sure the next person understands yeah. what they're taking on. Because um, sometimes it can be stressful, not as much now as it used to be, of course. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think the other thing as well is it's it's just about educating the people that are younger than us and making sure that, you know, when, I hear a lot of parents now at games go, and it's it's funny, it's funny to see it. They go, um, oh, he thinks we win every week. And me and Ian have said it. You know, I said to a kid last week, he married. He's, uh, I bet you think we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna batter Arsenal five nil every week now, mate. I bet you thought it's always been like this. And for me to be 28 and say that now was like pretty odd because I've only ever heard yeah. people, no offence, Ian, only ever heard people, only ever heard people. Ian's age say that to people like myself. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. one of them where not that Ian's ever said it to me, of course, but people younger than me. But um, I think that can almost become like a complacency from 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 adults, of course, to just go oh, well, he's a, he's a City fan, but he'll never understand what it was like from our perspective. We'll, we'll tell them then, explain yeah, it to them. Yeah, yeah, if they're actual yeah. dedicated football fans that will sit with you on a Sunday, not like, yeah. you know, they all, all they want to do is spend time on their Xbox or all they want to do is spend time on TikTok. If, if your kids are quite receptive and they sit there and they're like, Dad, when are we going to the next game? Use the opportunity to go, do you want to watch a game from, from, from 2002? And I'll show you what we're like under Keegan do you want to see the 99 Wembley playoff final? Do you want to watch what we were like in the seventies? And you never know that kid might then start to go out of his own way in his bedroom. And instead of playing FIFA 21 or 22 with his mates, he might start saying, do you want to watch the the 79 cup final and see what it was like? And we're going to game tomorrow. And you, you can start to kind of get these kids to invest in what city were and that will fuel them to then
0: hand that down as they go on as well. Uh, Harlan, your seat, because I can see your seat from where I sit, is right at the front in the south stand, uh, and I and I'm pretty sure I can be confident to say that that Mark, like you, uh, certainly in the era that he was your age, but probably now as well, is all about singing, getting behind the team, and everything, and and I just wonder whether, um, you know, you you're talking about young people coming round and getting them off the Xbox and we're all match-going fans. Uh, Do you think that the, the way football is watched by not just City fans but generally fans now lends itself to wanting kids to, to to allowing kids to go along and express themselves and be noisy and vociferous because you know we've got stewards now all, I'm, I know there's a safe standing area now with the barriers etc but you know sit down please don't make too much noise that would have never happened in the the era of the 70s the 80s the 60s whatever we're in this still- era
2: yeah, you still get the, the 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 vociferous side of it definitely still exists. You go to away games and they're singing their heads off in the bar beforehand, like they did Tottenham. Made a right racket there; it was great. Uh, and made a racket in the ground as well, by the way. Our support away from home is fantastic in terms of getting behind the team. Um, I actually think, you know, all clubs are very different. You know, we have the same people turning up week in week out. We're almost like. We're a small, hardy bunch of City fans who go to the games at home. And that's why we end up with some empty seats for some games, because we go to all of them and suddenly there's 61 games a season to go to. It used to be 40, odd at best. So suddenly you've got to find money and time and effort and everything else for an extra 20 games because the team's so good. And I don't think the fan base has grown that much. I really don't. I think it's still the same sad old people like me and our friends and family going down to Harley, You know, the next generation is what I mean. And I actually, what I love about it is, and it's, I'm taking it a slightly different way, but when you hear older City fans, and maybe even some young ones, we you hear some City fans say, oh, it's going to go the way where it's going to be day trippers and that kind of thing. I don't believe that. I think that's nonsense because if we keep buying our season tickets and I do, and you do, if we keep buying them and we keep getting our kids and grandkids to start buying them, there won't be be space for these day-trippers. Keep buying your season ticket, that's the way. Don't give it up. How many Reds do I know who used to have a season ticket and don't have one anymore? They've given it up to a day-tripper, effectively, or given it up to a supporters club somewhere abroad who, you know, send all different people every match. So the name of the game is to keep the ground full of the people like us, and it won't go that way. But by the same token, you know, we we do have games where it's yeah. difficult to sell because people go to a lot of games, and we're a, we're. A, I still maintain we're a, we're a, the the mm. match going support is a relatively small group. We, you know, we're we, we're like fishing from a small pond. I always think when we're selling match tickets,
0: which that leads that. us perfectly into the conversation. Thank you, goes Ian. Goes away. Thank <laughs> you. As if that was scripted. a yeah. you know. Nice segue, um, as they say. In, into what happens off the field. So before we do that, I promised that you'd hear from Andy Morrison. So now seems like a good time to, to hear what he had to say when I chatted to him yesterday. So Andy Morrison, just again to remind you not that you yeah. probably need this, was the captain of the 99 playoff final winning team, lifted the trophy down at Wembley, beating Gillingham on penalties, Nicky Weaver and all that. Um, I spoke to him yesterday and uh, and here's what he had to say. As the club, and it might sound like an obvious question, but has the club changed for the better, or do you see any negatives in what's happened?
3: That's not for me, really. You know, I play for the football club. um my son and daughter now are fans, like you know, so um it's not for me to really comment on that. you know I had a great time, fabulous period with the club, you know back- to- back promotions. Um, but everything moves on, you know, when the obviously moved from from main road and um and the identity of the club has changed, but you know, I think the I think the uh, the heart of any club is the fans. You know, and that's never changed. You know, they still. I mean, we we were getting regularly thirty thousand plus when I was at the club. You know, and now it's fifty plus. So the club's growing all the time, and um, I'm sure. Uh, although it is nostalgia, it's nice to smile at the old places that we used to go. I'm sure the fans are enjoying what they're seeing at this moment in time.
0: On the field it's unrecognisable I mean the players the manager the ambition the success I mean it's just without parallel Um, do do you see any negatives at all in that I mean most people wouldn't be able to find a single thing wrong with what's going on at the moment
3: no way listen I'm, I'm fortunate enough to go back on a match day and I see the efforts that go into making it a you know making it a special day for everyone that turns up to a game whether it's football um, or whether they're for entertaining guests or whatever, you know, it's an incredible um, stadium, uh, and everyone gets looked after, and um, you know, and ultimately the, the, the football on the pitch is incredible, um, there's no doubt about that. You know, the results and the, and the success over the last decade speak for itself, um, and you know, while we're winning, everybody's happy. But it's a football, it's a football world, and if you don't win, people people are tend to be a bit miserable, even though we remember where we came from. And how how it was at, at back in them days, but um, you know there's a there's a lot to be really pleased about and, and proud of. You know where the club is at this moment in time.
0: You could argue the stakes have gone up now because the expectation level of this club is like it's never been before. And although you said you know if City don't win, you know then people are unhappy. The truth is that if City don't win a league title, or don't win the Champions League, or don't win a trophy. There will now be a section—not all of the crowd, but a section of the crowd—who will say that's failure. I can't imagine that a few years ago, but that is the way the clubs changed, isn't it?
3: It's progress, it's, and it—you it, know—when it comes as fast as it has with City, you know, you're going to—you're um, going to expect it. You know, I, I think the standard of the football is is so. It's so ahead of every other team in, in the Premier League, you know, you go into Europe, it's a cup competition, it's different. In a knockout game, anything can happen. Um, it can not be your night, especially with how uh, referees referee in the modern game, you know, when red cards are given out so easy with VAR. You know, in cup competitions, it, it is hard to get to that ultimate and win it. But um, in the league, I think, you know, the, the team have been untouchable, you know, it was title, second, title, you know, and um, it's been an incredible period, and uh, I don't think anybody, anybody could have ever imagined just where we are at this moment in time. And, and like you said, you know, like I said, the expectations are so great now. But that comes with success, and the the, the bar has been set so high now. To keep going past that, you know, when we when we got the hundred points and we did the treble, and you know, it's like, how do you beat that? You can't. You just keep being the best you can be you keep looking to improve you look for little areas that you can master again to keep going further because like i say that season apart from the champions league with 100 points was incredible and again you know to try and set the bar again after that it's it's very difficult
0: do you, te- do you te- that the fans have changed i mean there is a, a core of fans like me my generation who look back fondly at, at your era and other eras i go back to belle lee summerby but there's a new generation now some might call them glory hunters, who come along because of the modern success. And I just feel as if sometimes there's a little bit of split between two different sets of fans in our fan base. Do you detect that at all?
3: I can't say I'm aware of it. Listen, if, if all you've known is success, then that's that's what you expect. And, uh, and when you fall below that, you know, it's hard to, if you weren't there in the tough times and you hadn't seen that period, then um, it's hard to reflect back to that. And just you know, realise how fortunate we are to have the club, have the owner, have the man, uh, the manager, the players. Um, that's part and parcel of football. You know, a new generation comes along, um, and they don't know the history completely of how tough things were. You know, only only two or three decades ago, how just how difficult it was. But um, now that's that's part of a club that's growing fast. You know, you're going to get that. You're going to get new people come along. Um, continually, as the success comes, and you know, and if that's what all they've seen, then they're going to expect it again, and every year, you know, having to to match that's very difficult.
0: Off the field, when you first joined City, they were a very, very different club. I don't know how you were treated as a player, how you're, how you came to the club, and what that was like. I suspect it's very different now, and obviously now they're catering for a worldwide audience. Um, one of the fears I had as a city fan was that if the club became mega successful as it has, we would change and we would be a club that was more about making money and more about, you know, just an obsession with winning rather than the family club it was. In your role as an ambassador and, and as an ex-player, do you do you see a difference in in that regard? Is, is it is it a good thing, bad thing, or?
3: I don't know. Like, like I say, I, I don't see any difference. Um, I like I had a great period, fantastic period with the club. Like I said, with back-to-back promotions, and the club has grown ever since. And you can't stand in the way of progress. You can't stand still, um, because everybody is investing. Everybody is growing. They've seen the, like you just mentioned it being a you know a worldwide audience. But there's so many clubs in in the, in the Premier League that are that way and you know we have to stay with it we've got to keep raising the bar we've got to keep matching the ambitions and the the investment of, of every other club because um, if you're not you'll get left behind and that's the world we're living in at the moment
0: just to finish I just wonder if there's anything you can give us as an example of what the club was like in your day you know the fact that it's very different from now where it's ultra professional as a player or when you first arrived at the club is there anything you can remember that would probably
3: I think I think probably the difference is it was we were more accessible to the fans you know we always wait in the players bar after a game if the result wasn't great because we'd have to walk through the car park to get through our cars and to do that you'd have to walk through thousands of city fans and you know it was great when you won you'd be out there straight away but when you know we, we didn't lose a lot but um, if we drew a game where the performance wasn't great we'd hang around in the bar and you'd be peeking out the door and one of the um, security men on the, on the front would say, it's clear now you can go. So you'd, you'd race for your car because you didn't want to you know, bump into anyone to have to explain yourself. Um, and now it's it's slightly different now.
0: So that's Andy Morrison uh, giving us his views. Um, and, and obviously Harlan and Mark are still here listening to that and we'll get their views on it in a second. Uh, and it'd be interesting to pick up as well, now that we're the other side of, of that interview, With where Mark was in terms of if City fill the stadium with fans who are, you know, City proper City fans, shall we call them that? It's difficult to know what language to use because you don't want to insult anybody who might be a day tripper or might want to come over for occasional games. But I wonder whether the club actually. This, this would be one of the sceptical questions. I'd actually prefer a lot of day trippers because I remember certainly a few years ago when uh, I was working at the BBC, going over to a, an ice hockey match in Belfast and coming back over to yeah, England yeah. on the flight on the day of a United game. And it was full of United fans. And uh, there was a couple of Irish people sat next to me. And uh, and and I said, oh, you're going to Old Trafford. I actually gave them a lift to Old Trafford. And uh, I said, oh, does this all work? Then you come over for every game. They said, no, there's there's three brothers, four brothers or whatever. we all got season cards. We've all got kids. So what we do is we we buy these season cards. We draw a rotor up at the beginning of the season. And uh, I come to, let's say, six games. My brother comes to six. My other brother comes to six. We all bring different kids each time. We all go in the superstore. And I thought at that time, I thought, That's perfect for United, isn't it? They get a completely new audience all the time. And yet the season ticket holders, and they're all going and buying loads of gear. It's absolute perfection. If that's the direction City are going in, then we have a different audience, don't we? So I'll throw that in as a little story. You've heard Adam Morris and Mark.
2: Ian, I'm dying to get in. For that to happen or to stop that happening... We stand firm. We go to games. You renew your season ticket. The season under Stuart Pierce, when, bless him, Stuart Pierce, everyone likes Stuart Pierce. I get the impression. I love him. I think he's great. I met him a couple of times talking about accessibility. He came to the disabled supporters branch. He was ace. Um, but under the, the football then is the exact opposite of what Harlan's talking about, how great the football was the years before under Keegan. It was dreadful. So I can't remember. How few goals was it, Ian, at home? 13 10, something? 10. Ten was it? it was worse than I thought. But honestly, I went into the Jolly Angler, our regular. Afterwards, and we all sat there like you know, no one spoke for ten minutes. We hadn't got relegated for crying out loud. This was, but the football was so bad. And eventually, it was a bit like um, it was a bit like that moment where you um, where you have to decide. And somebody went, "I'm renewing." And then somebody went, "I'm renewing." And then somebody went, "I'm." Re-. And eventually, we all said we're renewing. But some people were thinking they're not doing because it, it was so bad. And if you keep going, you keep renewing. We keep filling that stadium, and I'm not talking about old fellas, I'm talking about our our proper big city fans like Harlan, yeah. people yeah. who love the club, don't matter how old you are. Because when you know, if you've got a ch- if you've got a son, when you shuffle off this mortal coil, it goes down to him or your daughter, or your best mate, or your neighbour's yeah. son or whatever daughter, whatever it might be. Keep going. If we keep going, we'll stay with the club. And actually, what I loved about that interview is I think Andy totally gets it. How brilliant is it that a footballer, not a fan, a footballer, comes out and speaks just like our support? He does get it. After I'll just go on one more minute here, Alan. Basically, after the game last week uh, when we just battered Arsenal, I hung about at the ground, which I never do. I always shoot straight off. I always leave after the game finishes, obviously, but I always shoot straight. I had a bit of an hang about. And basically every two minutes there's people going past me, Hi, Mark. You're all right, Mark. I knew loads of people in the crowd. And a lot of them I've known, probably don't even know the names. I just knew who they are. Just know the faces. And it's still like that sitting. If we keep going to the home games, keep renewing, keep passing the bats on, as Alan so quite rightly said, we'll never become the club that United's become. And I wouldn't want to. They all hate each other. The people who go all the time ate the day trippers. The the day trippers ate them. They ate Cockney Reds—they all hate each other. We're a big blue family, and I couldn't care less yeah. if you come from Singapore or Salford. If you're a City fan, you're all right by me.
0: Well said. Well said. Alan, come on—you you represent the young young fans. Uh, yeah. How's the club off the field performing for you now, and what direction is the fan base going in? Well, I think just 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 one
1: thing before I crack on with that Ian is is something relating to that, and that is that where I sit, there's a real mixture of of people similar age to yourself, uh, you know, 40s, 30s, people my age going up towards 30. And obviously those people that have brought their kids. So we've got a decent mixture in 118, 117, 116 and 115. And it's obviously the away fans. And there's where Paul sits in your 113, 112, 111. Um, um, The South Stand's a lively place to be. It suits me to a T because it gives me the chance to do what I couldn't do in lockdown, which was release. Um, I'm not an aggressive fan. I don't swear all the time. I'm not, you know, brash and rude and everything. I spend a lot of the time from where I sit, believe it or not, very low down, studying the game, watching the game, looking at the movement, admiring the football, like Mark said. But I do get involved in the singing. I do, you know, get involved in, um, you know, the, the... aggressive moments of the game at times when the tensions are high and it's I feel like I've got a real good representation of a match where I sit so I'm quite dedicated to my seat but when I returned to the to the ground for the Norwich game one of the things that touched me was nobody in the ground cared about any of the stuff that was going on before the game you know Apart from the stuff where, obviously, everybody turns around and it's something like where we're welcoming out uh, an Olympian or or something like that, nobody cares about what's going on at City Square, no. especially not on that day. All people cared about was, where the hell's Jim from row five? Where's that steward that we used to see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's, where's, um, that. where's that woman gone? Um, me Put and Spot Jess Howard. spent five minutes looking for an old chap because we thought, I hope he's not passed away during the yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah. Um, he turned up. That was probably one of the highlights of the game. The ah. five goals against Norwich, but him turning up was like scoring yeah. another five. It was just knowing he was going to be here for the season. Um, and the fact that the stewards were being old. You know, uh, Steve the Red, as we call him, is, is the steward on on you know 118. Uh We all know he's a Red. We all know he's a United fan. We all know that there's nothing more he hates than when we bang five goals past Arsenal or beat United at home or whatever. The only time he's happy is when we beat Liverpool and he's there. But um, he's he's hugging all the lads. And there's a couple of lads around us that I've mentioned before that are maybe a bit rowdy and that get a bit nasty with a couple of the fans in there. But even there were like, Steve, come here. Come here, yeah. you big sod. <laughs> uh, have a selfie with us. And they were asking another student to take a picture. And I think that that's, like Mark said, that's us. That wouldn't happen at Old Trafford. Nobody at Old Trafford, really, in my opinion, really cares about inviting the stewards in for a selfie and stuff like that. It's just us. It's just our club for me has always been, it's always been a clean family club. And forget what people say and forget all the stuff that gets spouted. Just because we're owned by by billionaires, and because we're we're owned by billionaires that are from a completely different part of the world to us doesn't mean that all of a sudden, and I think you touched on this with regards to empty seats, Ian, back in back in 2018 or whatever it was, 2019, that the fan base doesn't automatically become that. So when you have investment and you have more money and you have better players and you're winning titles and you're playing better football and you're owned by a shake, it doesn't mean we all become rich Arabs. It doesn't mean we all become, you know, an Arab club. It doesn't mean that we all become, um, you know, a club that no longer gets it. We are still City, and for me, one of the biggest things that I've managed to compute in my mind is this, that we would fill Mame Road now and 20,000 more seats Absolutely. with the Spot crowds on. that we attract at games. So if there's, if there's 300 empty seats in the ground and somebody puts a tweet on with a picture of a couple of empty seats in the ground, yeah. so long as we've got 32,500 fans in the Etihad on a match day, in my mind we still fill Mame Road, which which was a Premier League football stadium. So why, because your ground's bigger, do you
2: have to fill it? It doesn't mean your ground's going to be there. These are the biggest biggest average crowds we've had in my lifetime. And I'm 60 next year. The biggest we've ever had. We played Juventus in the 70s. I didn't go to that game, but we got 36,000 for that game. Juventus, and we hadn't played anybody that big in Europe for about six, seven years. You know, massive games at City. If you look at, if you look at the um, the old main road you know when it was all, the Kipax was standing so you could get a lot of people in that 52,000 right in something like that we didn't we didn't sell out there's you know there's nearly 20,000 empty spaces in the ground when we played juventus so you have to look at it in terms of where we are and where we're going to and this, these are the biggest crowds we've ever had in our pretty much in our history. We've had the odd massive one, like people know, over eight thousand a long time ago. But certainly my lifetime, they're the biggest crowds we've ever had. And we actually, I for, the, for as a city fan, couldn't care less what other people think. But I celebrate that fact. So we have got some extra fans coming along. I'm glad of that. I love every city fan. I think they're all brilliant. I don't care. I actually think what's well, something you said here before. You sat next to some people and these are United fans, so I'm not giving them too much praise, but they are so dedicated to United that they fly to a football match, organise themselves into gangs to get the kids to fly to a football match. You could argue they're bigger fans than some Salford lad who hardly ever goes. If some, some lad who lives in Salford who says he supports United but hasn't been in the ground for 20 years... Is he a real fan or is this person from Ireland a real fan? They're really working out to sport, you know, and actually is, at least they go to a third of the games every year. This goes back to what
1: I was saying, Mark, about you, you've you got to get it. So yeah. I've, had it, I've had it in my time and I, I, I've i have got I've, I've purposely got, and Ian's seen this jacket, you might have seen it on Twitter, you might have seen it on social media, you might have seen it on the vlog when I've turned my back or something, I've got since 93 on the back of a jacket. It's got all the Premier League badges down it. It's got since 93 on. And there was one day I was at university in Bolton and I had a Liverpool fan giving me jit. Uh, Bet you didn't have that scarf around your neck before the shirt came along, did you? And luckily that day I had this jacket on and I just said, you know what? I'm not even going to give you a response other than this. And I turned around and I just said, just read the back of that coat, pal. Have a great day. <laughs> and, and the reason why I've got that is because that states that I've been a City fan since 93. Now, I didn't grasp what City meant to me till about all 2 So that's obviously nine years after. Yeah. But I've, I've always been a blue because my dad and my granddad have always been blues. And I just knew that watching Latics, knowing that my dad and my granddad, I watched a lot more football than me. Didn't feel like it was my club. I knew there was another club. I knew there was, I don't know, just in the heart of hearts, I just knew that there was a, and then when I was passing the Pennheim way in Oldham in 2001, I remember listening to Ian on the radio and my dad saying, City are winning. I said, are they? He said, yeah, we're winning. You're a City fan. And I says, am I? And he said, you are. You're a City fan. And I said, yeah, but dad, you went to Boundary Park, didn't you? We're all fans, aren't we? No, we're Blues. We're City fans. From that moment on, I've tried to pass that down.
0: Well, let me, let me bring in a different element to this because I know there are a lot of people in America, in, in India, in Australia, who listen to this podcast. And thanks very much for all those people who do listen. And they're not able to attend games every every week or even more than occasionally. And obviously, coming out of this pandemic, they're not even sure when they can next go. I mean... I've spoken on the podcast before and hopefully again in the future with uh, Doug Hurley, Colonel Doug Hurley, who is an astronaut who's um, a City fan. And he admits that he came along uh, to be in a blue when the Aguero goal came along. And there are lots of fans like that. And whilst Mark and I and you, Harlan, to a lesser extent, purely because of your age, are are obsessive match-going fans who've gone home and away and dedicated their lives to it, how do we feel generally about uh, uh you know if i if i was representing those fans now and i can hear the voices in my head saying represent us say this you know uh, we get up in california they would say yeah, at absolutely. four o'clock in the morning and go along to our yeah. local uh, our local pub we're as big a city fans as you just because we don't actually attend a game you know that's what we do um they're just as valued aren't they
2: well, they they bring something different to the party. It's not better or worse, I don't think. So I don't think I'm more I'm a better setter, better city fan than they are, particularly. They're supporting the club in the way they do. And I have to say, if we didn't have some interesting history, which we've always had actually, you know, maybe they maybe they wouldn't if the Aguero goal hadn't been scored, if it had hit the post, maybe that colonel wouldn't be a city fan right now. But you go back to um, when I was Young, you know, maybe some people say, oh, first uh, cup final I ever watched was 69 when City won it. That that probably got us some fans, you know, and you're always going to have this kind of thing. And if you're a club that is doing well, and let's let's call it that, right, 13 years of doing, maybe a bit longer because we had some great times, like you said, under Keegan and stuff. You know, we've done, we've done a lot better in the last 20 years. There's more moments for people to tag on to, to go, oh, God, yeah, I like the look of that. But the both are equally valid. There's nothing wrong with being a supporter like that, and I don't look down on them in the slightest. I love a City fan, like I said before. Singapore or Salford, Mumbai or Manchester, I couldn't <clears> care less. If you're a blue, if if you're a blue, you've chosen not to be a red, and that's enough for me.
1: <laughs> Again, you 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 just got to you've just got to get it, and I think on that point, it's it's what it's how proactive you are as a City fan. For yeah. me, it's, it's what you do. It's like I know in my art of arts that like there's not, I'd say, out of 24 hours a day, honest to God, I mean, I sleep for eight hours and eight hours a day average. For for the rest of the 16 hours, I'm probably thinking about City for about 15 and a half hours of it. <laughs> and the other half an hour, I'm probably, you know, uh, just
0: thinking of your on Jess.
1: My phone, on my phone, <laughs> and then 15 minutes of the time on my phone, I'm probably on Twitter tweeting about City. Doing extra city stuff, so it's one of them where my whole week, um, yours is yours is massively dedicated here, all in away, has been for such a long time. My whole week is based on when we next play. So if it's a Wednesday, I'm thinking only three days till we play again. That makes the weeks go faster. I'm just waiting for us to play again. That's my that's my that's my thing. That's my 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 drug, if you want to call it. That's my that's my purpose every week. Obviously to to be a a boyfriend to be a you know a good person within the family to 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 live life and pay rent and pay bills and live like a, a normal human being eat drink whatever but but eat drink city do you know what i mean and yeah. and that's that, that they're my recipes for, for, for being able to live without city my life wouldn't be what it is and that's why i say it's about getting it and you know we don't know if there's a 25 year old lad out there that literally spends as much time as me Thinking about City, tweeting about City, watching old videos, just beating his chest whenever uh, you see United lose, knowing that that is because you're a blue.
0: And just there, there could be a fan just like you, Harlan, in Hollywood or in Mumbai or whatever, who's just as passionate, who lives and drinks it. Who's only supported us, though, that's only
1: supported us for five years, but in that five years, proper gets it. It's quality over quantity of time for uh, me. It's, it's how much quality and how uh, much of a blue you have invested in the club and in your personal life within even a shorter period of time. He could have yeah. he could have done you know twenty eight years of city research in five years and just got it. It might have just clicked for him. So it, it, you know I think there's a there's a there's an argument for the legacy fans to say. You know, he doesn't really care. He just comes to a game and he's got a United Megastore bag in his hand and he's wearing a PSG top and he's got an Arsenal hat on and he's turned up at a Champions League game and he's asking why we're singing We're Not Really Here. And I get that that's frustrating, but not every Singaporean City fan, like Mark said then eloquently, is like that. Some do get it. Some do know who Kevin Keegan is. And I'll tell you what, if you're the blue and you get the opportunity to talk to a Japanese City fan or a Singaporean city fan or an American city fan at a game, don't be don't be so close-minded to not talk about Kevin Keegan to him. Because you might be surprised. He might actually know
2: more than you know about City. It happened to me, it happened to me at the last game. I can't, but you know, I said I was I was hanging about outside just drinking it all in a little bit, and I kept saying, hello, hello. I was going along with a mate of mine. And there was a family, and they'd been to the store. So they did look like, you know, mega store fans who'd been and bought a few things. Um, and they, I thought they were Chinese. And they were trying to take, a, they were taking photos of each other in front of a big city badge that's near the Metrolink uh, entrance. And Matt, I said, Go and, I said to my mate, go and help them take a picture together, like you would, like with anybody, you know. So they got lined up, and he took a picture. Of the whole three family, it was a kid yeah. and mum and dad, I think it was, uh, in front. They were chuffed to bits. So we be getting a photo. And I said, Where are you from? So, and they could have easily gone Wigan or something, couldn't they? You know, made me look a right fool. But they actually, no, Hong Kong, it's our first time here. So I welcomed them, said thank you. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed your first experience. Remember, we don't win 5-0 every week. Uh, but those fans do exist. And I think that's, there's not when I say there's nothing wrong with that, it's the opposite. It's brilliant that people want to support City. And I don't know if they were... From Hong Kong and holiday here, or they've come especially for the game. I didn't ask the story. Uh, but i welcome that. I think we we should welcome any new fans. That doesn't mean that means that we still need to keep going if we want to keep the club like we like it, with the core of 36,000 season ticket holders, probably from the city or from the UK, who go to all the games. There's plenty of room in that stadium, believe me, for these type of supporters to come and enjoy our club.
0: What an absolutely um, uplifting and positive podcast this has been because I didn't know quite which way this was going to go. Well, just let me finish, and I don't mean this in a in a negative way per se. But are there any negatives at all about the way that the club has changed on or off the field for either of you? Uh, is it all fairly positive? I mean,
2: I'll no do way. a brief one. I'll do a brief on the Arlen finish, if he wants. But I think uh, it's only my opinion. I'm a bit of a City matter type of guy. I think we are growing at such a pace that the club's infrastructure in terms of staff and all that kind of stuff, we could do with it keeping <coughs> up with, this, with the pace of change, potentially. I, know I won't bang on about mobile ticketing, but let's bang on about mobile ticketing. You know, I don't think the club was in the right space to introduce such a big change. It didn't have the staffing. People can't get through on the phones. There's a little bit of that going on. In terms of football, it couldn't be better. I'm delighted with the way we organise ourselves, the way we don't pay transfer fees when we don't want to for players who obviously rate themselves, No. Cristiano was mentioned. Um, I love the way we deal with that sort of thing. I think that um, you know, the customer service side, it'd be nice to be treated as a customer a bit more, as well as a legacy fan. And it might be not that the club don't care, which a lot of City fans think. I hear it all the time. Oh, they don't care about the match-going fan anymore. They don't care about the the older support. Or people like, never mind older, Harlan, who's been going for a long time. They don't care about us. I don't think it's that. I meet those people. I think they care, I think that sometimes there's some growing pains. That's that's the way I'd see it. And I, I hope to invest in that side of things. I'll be working out to get them too.
0: I'm, no, no doubt about that.
2: Um, uh, what about you, um, Harlan?
0: Any negatives for you?
1: Yeah, I just think um, one thing for me is that I've been to a lot of different, different football grounds and watched different teams. Obviously, one of the most... Enjoyable times with my granddad personally He's obviously been going to city games in recent years when he's been able to come with me and me and my dad and all the people. But um, Boundary Park will always hold a special place in my heart. Oldham um, Athletic, you know, are obviously a club that are close to to my heart. Uh, love them to pieces, of course. But it's one of them where I've been to Boundary Park. I've seen over the last you know twenty five years how how um, how they do things before a match. And how it how it almost feels more natural before a game. I do believe that before our matches, it's become a bit of a pantomime. Um, yeah, I agree City with that. Square, at City Square, it's almost like we're trying to cater for the for the new City fans more than we are for the legacy fans, and more more than we are, um, you know, for fans like myself. Almost like we're trying to have this big club mentality of being an entertainment club rather than an actual football club where people. Are coming for the football, um, you know. I, I get this, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I like nice food. I like nice cuisine, but all this gourmet menu and all that. I mean, we had a lovely chicken balti pie and brew at Lincoln on commentary the other week. That's what I want at a game. I don't want sautéed potatoes with mushrooms and chicken, chicken chasseur before a City game. Not I love a
2: chicken chasseur, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I love it. but I Not love on it a muffin, at... though. Not on a muffin, as they would I up your
1: way. I love it at home, Mark, on a plate with a nice silver knife and fork. don't want to be sat in a stand eating sautéed potatoes, etc. I think what that, what's happened is we, we, we're trying to be too commercial in that sense. And one thing for me is I remember turning up at games as a, as a youngster at the Etihad even. So it's not like it was at Main Road and it was never transferred over. We were yeah. still that club until a certain point in time. And it wasn't straight after the shake had arrived, actually. It was around 2010, 2011, 2012, when we started to become uh, more commercial, I think. That during the, during the, during the, the build-up to a game, fans aren't given the opportunity anymore to, to sing to each other, to banter with other stands to build the atmosphere themselves because there's always music on, there's always adverts on, there's always D squared two commercial adverts on promoting clothing and promoting this, promoting that and the other. All the stuff regarding, you know, uh, promoting local community projects, I'm all for because that's what we're about. And I get that sponsorship wise, we have to do so much within the ground,
2: but there's other stuff like- Harlan, can I make a suggestion? when we obviously not on the podcast but uh, offline why don't you talk to me about that kind of thing and i'll try and feed your just even your opinions to start with and then we could turn that into another piece of work where we get some people's ideas we might put a little focus group to not use that phrase but a little group of city fans together different stands different ages different ideas and let's feed them to the club i'll be the conduit for that and i think that's a great i think that'd be worth doing but just maybe like
1: a, a pre-match fan routine where maybe 10 minutes is allocated to giving the fans a, a chance top to, idea. to start some chance before the game. Or maybe top there's top a little idea. thing we could do where where we have like a stand competition between the fans just to maybe get a couple of the main road things back and things I remember hearing about and seeing on, on TV. Um, little things like we have, like a, you know, a champion of the day where the South Stand is the winner because they were the loudest, and get the kids involved in the family stand. See if the family stand can beat the the actual prodigal son of the South Stand in a in a chant competition. Um, maybe pass the chant around to see who forgets the lyrics of a chant. Hey Stand! <laughs> things like that. I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe some fans will say you're an idiot what you're talking about. I just think we need to do more before the game that doesn't doesn't seem as forced. If you want the, to call it The phrase right.
2: that jumps out at me about the way City, we've, we've got too much money now. I mean, that's, I mean, the, you know, firework displays before kickoff and all that I used to save that for like once in a generation of firework display. Now they're banging them off the left, right, and center, aren't they? The, the problem I have with it all is it's formulaic. It's the same every time. Bloody hell, we are the champions. I know we've won the league a load of times lately, but I'm sick to death of hearing that. Come up with something else. And I actually think you're spot on. I actually think we can do a bit of mix and match here. We can do keep some of that stuff. And obviously, some of it's commercial. You know, the D-squared stuff are bound to be for commercial reasons. But I think giving ideas about what we can do on match day is a good thing to do. And we should give them those ideas, bud.
0: All I can say is a big thank you to Andy Morrison, who contributed a little bit earlier on, to Mark Todd, to Harlan Fallon, and to you for listening and for subscribing and putting nice comments, contacting me on social media and saying how much you appreciate this sort of thing. Uh, That means a lot to me, and thank you. And thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk, who, of course, sponsor the podcast. Without them, there wouldn't be a podcast. Uh, Obviously, there's no vlog. We will put a little bit of this up on YouTube as well, at the chat, Uh, but this is the only place you're going to hear the whole podcast, which is on uh, whatever your favourite platform is or potentially SoundCloud, etc. There'll be a match day vlog back for the Leicester game. I'll be going down to... uh, Walker Stadium, whatever it's called these days, because they change things all the time, don't King they? Howard. King right, well, Philbert Filbert Street. was what? Filbert Street, Street. But anyway, I'll be wherever that ground is and whatever it's called these days, uh, going around and talking to people. So have a look at that on YouTube. Um, uh, thanks very much for your support and uh, and. Thanks very much for such passion from Mark and Ireland in this particular podcast. Really enjoyable to, to be part of. Uh, I, I can just sit back and listen sometimes and, and let, let my great contributors uh, uh, enhance the debate. So that's it for this time. We'll be back again with another podcast next week. In the meantime, have a great week. I remember it's always great to be a Blue.